Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. I'm back today with Courtney for another Unconventional Conversations podcast episode, and this one is a very heavy episode because we are talking all about loss, death, grief, and how to overcome all of that and how to overcome fears of death and loss. So this is just a trigger warning for those of you who may struggle with this topic, but I'm sure you probably wouldn't have clicked on this episode if you did because I will be sure to title this grief, death, loss. So, but regardless, I find this topic really important and I'm really excited to chat with Courtney about this. So without further ado, let's jump into it. It is Elle and Courtney again, and we are back with another episode. The topic today is actually a little bit more heavy, so this is just a trigger warning for any of those who may have experienced loss or, you know, fears of loss, things like that. Those are the topics we're talking about loss and how it's affected us and how we've worked through loss in our own life and grief and what it's taught us and all of that. So it is a little bit more of a heavy topic, but yeah. So before we get started, let's just do a check-in. How are you today, Courtney? Any updates you want to give us about your life if you want? You know, I figured Mm -hmm. we could talk about something positive and something that may have been like frustrating this week. Yeah. Check-ins currently drinking the autumn tea from Trader Joe's again but I think like a high and a low from this week is like the high is processing that we all have seasons of life and learning to recognize and accept ourselves in each new season because it's very different how we feel like emotionally and physically in our own bodies and then the negative would be not giving myself like the grace or the time to feel that I just trying to keep up with the world Mm, yes I think so many can relate to that because I know I definitely can (laughs) what were yours for this week so I guess my high actually I think my high was today um because Mm. what happened was I did a little bit of networking at the shop that I went to today I stepped out of my comfort zone which I haven't told you about this yet but I stepped out of my comfort zone and I said you know, I saw you offer classes. Are you looking for someone to teach about astrology? And I was really excited because she was all for it. And she was like, actually, yeah, like send me an email. I would love to get you in there to possibly talk about astrology with the class. That's actually really amazing. And I feel like that's full circle for your life because originally you wanted to be a teacher Yes. And now you found like your grounding passion and now you can turn that around into teaching other people. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, so teaching other people about I was, it. I was talking about that to your sister today where I literally was like helping her learn about tarot and whatnot. And I told her, I was like, actually, I went to school for teaching and then I dropped out 
because I wasn't finding like fulfillment through that. And now I'm finding fulfillment through teaching about like spirituality, intuition, tarot, astrology. I would have never landed upon that if I didn't drop out from what didn't feel right or what didn't align. So I thought that was pretty cool. I had that same realization. Yeah, it's powerful sometimes. Like if you can sit around and give yourself the time and the space to have those intuitive moments or those resonating moments of like, oh, wow, like this is actually life providing everything that I wanted back then. And I was really upset because I felt that it wasn't working out. But there's this thing that you always tell me where like, whatever is supposed to happen in that moment that's supposed to find you and attract into your life is going to come when it's time. Mm-hmm. And I, I am a huge believer in, even if it doesn't look like it's not working out, it actually is working out, but it's just working out in a way that you didn't expect and in a way that you didn't even realize was better for you, which is pretty cool. And then for my low, I would have to say I had a extreme panic attack, like bad to the point where I almost called 911. And I don't know if I told you about this, but yeah, I got in my head because I I was drinking a little bit of wine and all of a sudden I started feeling this pain on my side and I started getting my head thinking I had an ulcer or something. I don't know why, but just like all of a sudden got my head worked myself up and then went to panic attack mode. I crawl myself to my bathroom and I'm like, Oh my God, that's so bad. Screaming for Josh. He was in the basement playing his games and I was screaming for him and he did not hear me because he had noise canceling headsets on. Um, and my dog's freaking out, barking. I literally thought I was on my deathbed. I was like, this is how I'm going to die. This is my moment. Like panicked. And he finally comes upstairs and he's like, oh my God, what are you doing on the floor? Like, are you okay? What's happening? What's going on? I'm like, you didn't come save me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's not good. I could be dying. The fire alarm could go off. Like, that's not good. You can't hear that. Yeah. So that was a, that was a low. And my body's just been feeling like so bad these days too like it's been acting up it's been like I've been feeling really nauseous and dizzy and just like I feel like there's something going on with me where I'm just like oh that's weird I felt really nauseous like the last two days it must be something I don't know if it was because of eclipse season or what but it was just like it really affected me I feel like this is why I was saying recently that we would both benefit from breath work because I think we have all this stored trauma that's like affecting our physical well-being now because we have so much unreleased emotion, even though we're all like, oh, I'm growing, I'm working on things, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. there's always something else that you could try that can help you release that energy. Because there's a lot of things I think we t- might talk to each other about, but how we actually process personally. Mm. Exactly. I totally agree with that because I for sure definitely still have stored emotions. I see it come out all the time with my triggers. I'm like, oh, gotta work on that. (laughs) So uh, yeah. And honestly, like I always say too, like healing is never ending. So, but it's so important not to like make it your life's purpose to still live in the moment, enjoy life and realize we're all human beings, human beings who are meant to experience like tough emotions and things like that and to just not get caught up in feeling like you're this 
never ending work in progress that's not good enough to receive because you still have so much trauma to work through. That's powerful. Remembering that even though you are working on things, it doesn't mean you're any less worthy of receiving. Mm -hmm. It's actually really powerful because I think we tend, well, I know my personality type, but I think a lot of people do this is like we tend to think like if we're working on things and processing that we don't deserve to still receive in that moment we're like oh I'm I'm blocking that energy off of like Mm. receiving because I I have to be I have to be working Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly like yeah there is you know conditioning to work through and whatnot but just because you have trauma you have pain that you're working through doesn't mean that you can't receive or manifest it just means that you know yeah you just have to work a little bit on reframing but you're still worthy as you are you know so yeah it's, it's definitely a t- it's a tough thing to kind of navigate through I guess for sure mm-hmm. but yeah so let's jump into today's episode like I said this is a trigger warning because we are talking about loss and very emotional situations and death so for those of you listening who may get triggered by that or you know just just a word of caution but I figured maybe where we can first start is when we both each had our own first experiences with death and what it was like experiencing it for the first time. So if you want to start by sharing your first experience with loss and how that affected you. I actually think I think I've had quite a quite a bit. The first one was kind of traumatic because my sister and I had a cousin her name was Samantha and she was like this I literally like put her on a pedestal but she was an angel she was wonderfully smart incredibly kind always included everyone in everything like she never excluded anyone in the family if we were playing as kids or anything and very supportive and encouraging to everyone because I used to struggle with getting bullied and stuff she was always very gentle with me about that and reassuring and I loved sleeping over there. We used to go to her house and sleep over a lot. She got, if I remember correctly, E. coli. I was young, so this is like my my memory. And when she got it originally, they didn't know what was wrong with her. She was sick for a while. And I think like a few days before she passed, she came over to our house with her mom and visited my mom. And my mom was like, something's not right. Like just... She had been to her regular doctor, I think, like a few times, and they were like, oh, you just have some virus, like whatever, you know, really brush her off. And then a few days after that, my mom was like, no, she needs to like go to the hospital, like something is wrong. She got worse. And my aunt brought her to, again, this is my memory, I was young, to the emergency room. And then after that, like she never left, like she passed. And it had turned out that I think she had like E. coli and she no one ever figured it out which like now that I work as a nurse I see it all the time when someone's admitted to the hospital like we do blood cultures so we can see if they have any type of microorganism infection so we can treat it I just don't think that either that was like a standard protocol back then or that people were doing their due diligence, somehow it slipped through the threads. And so that was really traumatic because she died when she was 13 or 14. And my sister and her were the exact same age. Mm. And, and yeah, and you were really young too. And 
I feel like the loss at a young age can be really confusing. It was really confusing because like you don't have the concept really of they're like gone forever. And I didn't understand grief or like a grief cycle. I just like, I remember like sitting and feeling really uncomfortable with the fact that everyone was so upset when she died. Mm. And I mean, I was obviously really upset too. I went through a period where like I had a serious overeating problem. I think I like sat in my room one day and cried and ate like 75 peanut butter cups and gave myself a stomach ache. And my mom was like, okay, I'm taking your candy away. Um, and it, and then looking back now, I, I realized that that was like part of my grief cycle because I didn't know what to do with it. So I turned to eating which could be like a whole other trigger warning episode we could talk about. But um, yeah, it's really traumatic because as a kid, like you don't understand that process and everyone's really emotionally upset. And I just had never seen anything like that before. And then like she lived in like an inner city area. So like a lot of the parents of the kids she went to school with like allowed their kids to go and pay their respects she had like you know a traditional open casket which was really freaky for me Mm -hmm. so I think I was like 10 or 11 at the time and then like the kids she went to school with were like trying to open her mouth and peel open her eyes and people were trying to like steal the jewelry that my aunt had like sewn into her clothing or her shoes and it was just like it became this whole thing that was really hard too yeah, I can't imagine being at like a cousin's wake and funeral and people are trying to steal things off of her like lifeless body and trying to open up her mouth. Like that's that's pretty intense for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so I also, my first experience with death was at a young age, which I know you know about this, but for me, it was the loss of, what were like second parents to me but as I was doing my inner child healing I've realized how it how it was like a much more than just the loss of them but essentially I had we grew up me and Courtney actually grew up in the same neighborhood but at this time me and Courtney weren't as close yet which we talked about before on a previous episode (laughs) but I was really close to this one girl and I won't say her name just for purposes but she was like a sister to me we hung out all the time and her family were like my family her parents were like my parents especially her mom her mom you guys had a wonderful connection like you guys were like going to school together and coming home together and like over her house all the time like I remember you guys were like glued together yeah I honestly do feel like it was a very faded thing that was meant to happen to me and like I was meant to like go through it just in this exact way and that she felt like a very faded connection And what happened was my parents were also on the rocks at the time. My dad had just gotten injured at work and gotten onto painkillers and went through his addiction. And I watched him turn into a different person. He was super, super angry constantly. And I hated being at home. So anytime I would go to school, I would come home and go immediately to her house because that was like my escape until my mom got home. So it was kind of like I went to her house to escape what I was afraid of at my own house and used her mom as like this comforting, nurturing energy. And her mom would like make us hamburger helper and would cook for Mm -hmm. us all the time. 
And anyway, besides the point. So what happened was they were having a 50th surprise birthday for her mom because my friend was like the oopsie baby. So, you know, mm. surprise last surprise. child. Yeah, I was, I think I still, I think it was like 2005. I want to say I was. Like we were 13. young. We were young. Yeah, yeah we I think I was young. like 13, maybe not even 13 yet probably like 11 or 12 and I feel like yeah it was before your emo phase I feel like your emo yeah. phase came after oh, came this like because right after of that. this literally <laughs> so I was at a different friend's house making a card for her mom for this surprise birthday party that we were throwing for her and I called it the never-ending card because no matter which way you opened it it kept opening. oh I remember this you were so excited I really was. I was so excited. And my mom came and picked me up the next day from my friend's house. And that was the day we were supposed to have the surprise birthday. And when I got in the car, I immediately noticed that something was not right. My mom's energy was just like off and I was concerned. And that's when she told me, she was like, honestly, like, honey, like, I'm sorry, but you know, she got sick. She didn't make it. She ended up passing away. And at that moment, it was like, uh like I was trying to understand the concept that she was gone and that she had died and what death was and what it actually meant and I remember just like holding on to the card as she was telling me this it was very it was very emotional because I think too at this point I also had to see my friend go through like the loss of a parent and mm-hmm. what that all meant which it was is- getting you ready for more <laughs> Honestly, and I was telling your sister this, I was like, this is a repeating thing. And that's why when we get to further into what you experienced and how I was also part of that, um, it will all kind of come together and make sense. But I remember just like going into her house and everybody like fruit baskets everywhere. Everybody was so upset, crying. Like you had mentioned, you're seeing people hurt and upset and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And immediately because this energy of needing to make sure everyone at my own house is always happy. Like I need to make sure I walk on eggshells around my dad. So when I go to a home at my friend's house where everybody's upset, I immediately go into this mode of, oh my gosh, everybody's upset. I need to make sure they're happy. I start taking mm-hmm. on that weight of everyone's emotions around me at that time. And I That's felt like, like full I really circle to- for your life up till recently yeah because it's just recently that you're like I need to set boundaries with people because too often people are too comfortable like coming to me with life problems and I'm like not emotionally available to receive and I think like for so long you were taking on too much because the obligation like that trauma made you feel so obligated to fix things mm-hmm. and fix situations and people so like that makes so much sense yeah doesn't that make sense it's like I as I was doing my inner child healing I noticed how things started to align and it was like I wanted to just take away her pain I wanted to take away the pain for my friend I wanted to take away the pain for everyone around me and I felt like I couldn't and then the the part that really really got it got a little bit worse was that she then called me I don't even, which I did go to the funeral as well. So, you know, experiencing a funeral at a young age, seeing like a lifeless body at a young age, that's a lot for a child. And so then she called me a couple of weeks later and she told me that she was moving across the country. And I was oh, like, oh, you missed, you missed the double whammy, right? Didn't oh, her... it's coming. It's okay. coming. Okay. Yeah. Cause it happened after this. So she told me she had, oh, she moved, moved first. 
yeah, what happened was she moved and her aunt and uncle had told her that when her dad gets better, he's going to move with them. Because at this point, her dad was sick yep. as her well. Like her- sick. Yeah, because he ended up like, I believe it. I don't want to get the details wrong, but I believe he was drinking himself to liver failure because of all the pain of losing his wife. What happened was she then moved away from me. And as soon as she moved about like a week or so later, her dad had passed away. She called me mm-hmm. up and she's like, oh my gosh, you'll never believe it. My dad passed away. And the worst part about it was she didn't get to go to her dad's funeral. They like her. She never went. No. So I don't even know if she ever got that full closure, you know, but Mm -hmm. having the loss of basically like what were like second parents to me while also losing one of my best friends, all while my parents were going through a divorce. So much loss. Yeah. Like a very bad marriage. Mm -hmm. And then seeing my dad like cope with addiction while also no longer having that safe space to go to that was a lot (laughs) do you think that I mean this is just like speculation and I'm just like thinking do you ever think that your panic attacks come from a sense of trauma that has to do with loss and worrying about like losing me and Josh and your mom let me tell you it that moment those moments from childhood all of that happening at once created anxiety within me I actually started having panic attacks almost every night in fact also I watched my neighbor's house burn down which you'll remember that as well yeah that house burned down and that also kind of happened around the same time so all of a sudden I get this overwhelming fear and anxiety of like doom of doom literally I thought my mom was going to die I literally told her every night I was like mom like I'm just so afraid you're gonna die like what if you you know she lost her parents that could happen to you too and then I would struggle to fall asleep because I and your mom I was- got struck by friggin' lightning oh yeah right what, are, what is so that? scary is come on mom I'm like out of all people like who would have thought people say getting struck by lightning is so rare well it happened to my mom and she she could have died from it but she didn't thankfully but yeah it's she must be a things, superhero it's those things that make me it made me literally filled with anxiety and panic I slept in my mom's bed until probably the age of 14 15 and then we used to sleep in the same bed for yeah. the longest time and then you started dating Josh and then you guys sleep in the same yeah. bed I literally had you move in with me obviously because Mm -hmm. you're my best friend or whatnot, but also because I could not live on my own. I was terrified that I would die in a fire, that I would die in my sleep. Somebody would come to like, like I have the worst night anxiety. I honestly loved living together. I wish we could have done it like a little bit longer, but it's fine. I'm still glad that we had that opportunity because I I think a lot of young people don't have that. And like we learned, you learn a lot through each other's quirks. Yeah. Like I'm really crazy about organizing and stuff but I think now it gave us a more complete picture of each other and like acceptance which is like a total side story but yeah I feel like that's makes so much sense like how do you go through everyday life without worrying that everything that you have and everything that you've built couldn't get ripped from you yeah in a second death at a young age or experiencing Mm -hmm. like loss like that can put you through survival mode Yeah, I think it's important when that happens 
And I don't know if you had this experience, but I don't remember having it of like having your parents just like sit with you and maybe hold you and talk to you about the whole process. Because I feel like it took a while, but like there were several more deaths like within my family. And then I felt like my dad had that conversation with us. That was another struggle of mine because I had struggled with anxiety. I don't think my parents knew how to handle it. Um, Every time I would have my panic attacks, they kind of, it kind of felt like they were annoyed with me, honestly. It kind Mm -hmm. of felt like they didn't know how to handle it. It felt like they wanted to just like fix you. Yeah. They were just kind of like, don't worry. Like it's just in your head, which honestly, no offense, but I think that's the worst thing you can say to someone when they're having a panic attack. It does not help. I think it's terrible because it's like a body sensation and your body's physically going through what your mind is is thinking and the I think the best thing you could do for someone who has a panic attack is to be really present with them and try to get them like try to breathe with them try to talk to them try to hold them because I think the other thing is like you see all these really powerful videos of children having these very strong emotions online and parents are just sitting with them and allowing them to self get to a place where they're self-regulating and then the parent just holds them and this goes back to us wanting to talk about gentle parenting where like that's what I would consider gentle parenting because back in the day it was like you need to snap out of it like your panic attack your attitude whatever it is snap out of it when really like that's you you can't teach a child to self-regulate when that when you're teaching them to stuff how they feel that's not teaching them to self-regulate and then we end up with the problems that we have as adults with anxiety and all all these other things not that our parents are our sole problem because maybe they also weren't taught and weren't given that space but I think another powerful thing is like being a grandparent like my my mom was a very different grandparent than she was a parent Mm -hmm. and so she gave two different things that she didn't get to do with us as as a grandparent and um and have more empathy for their grandchildren than they do yeah but I think like there's so much power in just like sitting with your child and holding them and being present because that's all a kid really wants. They want your whole presence. Exactly. When you're distracted on your phone or you're distracted with a stranger in a grocery store or whatever you're doing, if a child's good or bad, they're just trying to get your attention and see like, like where rejection. they have to go to get it yeah it does yeah it does feel like rejection like that's, honestly that's you're emotionally bad. going through it and your parents are like we could care less and you're yeah. like okay no one cares about me exactly and that's that's kind of how it felt for me um in those moments where I had anxiety I felt kind of rejected in a sense I felt like I was a problem for having those emotions I felt like I was you know, burdening them. So therefore, anytime that would happen, I would go into this mode where I would just help myself. I wouldn't look for their support anymore because I mm-hmm. knew that it would bother them or I wouldn't get the support I needed. And that's why too, I feel like when it comes to a lot of my problems, I don't really share them as often as I probably could with people because I'm no, like, I, I don't want to burden people. I don't think you share what you're going through even as often as I would like you to with me. And then I feel like not distant from you because I I can I can physically tell what you're going through by your like body language and your emotions. But I just try to like be wherever you're like if I'm with you and you're that way, I just try to like be in your space and let mm-hmm. you know like I'm I'm here without like being too much. But yeah, that's one of the things like I would I want to 
work on in our friendship is like giving you that space to really tell me how you're feeling and what's going on more wholly than like just the surface of like, oh, I'm having a problem with like this person or like, like big life things, like like get into more of the existential things that are going on with inside you with me. And I honestly think that's what I love so much about our friendship is that you do give me the space to share my emotions. And it's not like me not sharing isn't a youth problem. It's not that you don't make me feel safe. It's just a me problem. Honestly, it's me working through feeling like a burden to people or feeling like my problems don't matter because I always felt like my problems didn't matter growing up. So I would just keep them away. And that's how that whole self-reflection thing you know, it really does stem back to that moment in my childhood where I experienced a freak ton, lot of shit all at once. And I felt (laughs) like it was just brushed off and that it wasn't a big deal. What do they say? You feel everything all at once, something like that. Life hit me with a freaking brick and I did not know how to handle any of it. And nobody taught me how to handle it. And that, and now here I am in this adult life trying to just deal with my triggers and work through my own emotions. But that's kind of where it stemmed. That's where like death for me started in my fear of death and yours started. But let's get further into this because you experienced very, very tough loss. (laughs) And this kind of is reflected too of me feeling too, like I feel like I um, have gone through a loss in the sense of being there for people who have gone through losses, like best friends of mine. Yeah, you're you're also still processing that loss. I think there's an interesting timeline too, where at one point, I just want to bring up like, I forget what it's called. Oh, grief fatigue. That's a thing because I'll explain this further, but by the time my mom passed this year in June, I honestly felt fatigued. I think I haven't fully felt the whole weight of that because I'm just, I, I'm exhausted. When I was growing up, I had like that cousin die. And then I had like a great grandfather die, which is like, okay. Then my great grandmother died. And these are all like mixed timelines. Cause I was young. And then I had my Nana die, who I was very, very close with growing up. Like I was her favorite and it was very obvious. <laughs> um, and then my nanny died who was like my father's mother. And then my uncle died, who I was also very close with, I was very close with him and his children and my aunt. And then like, I spent a lot of time in middle school and high school, like at their house and with their family doing things. And then, and then when my dad died, that was like the first really, really hard one. And that was, I think too, that was pretty hard too, because wasn't it kind of like unexpected? Yeah. So he was born with like a congenital heart condition and I've never actually seen his medical records, but from like what has been passed down to me from other people in the family was like, he was born with like a single ventricle in your heart. Normally you have two. And then he had conduction problems because your heart is also electric. Newsflash for anyone who doesn't know anything about your heart, your heart is mechanical and electric. And so he had these problems. And as he got older, he had to live with an internal pacemaker, which is like a machine that helps the electricity of his heart. But as he got older, the surgeries he needed just like were really took a toll on him. And then in 2009, he had a pulmonary embolism and collapsed. He almost died. But my stepmom was luckily she was home and she was doing compressions so aggressively that she actually like dislodged the clot and saved his life. 
And then after that, it was kind of just like slowly each year he was getting like worse and worse until he died in 2013. In 2013, like I think a month before he died, he had something called a Fontan. I actually think he was one of like the pilot patients for Boston Children's to have it to do research for kids that had his condition. And it's basically like drains fluid and stuff from the heart into your abdomen from a very basic understanding that I have of it. And so his abdomen would get like painfully swollen. So he had the fluid removed in May. And then he, that procedure actually went really well. They took like 25 pounds of fluid from his abdomen and he felt great. I think two weeks before he passed, we were like outside in the yard gardening. And then I don't really, we never really knew exactly what killed him, but he just like collapsed one day around like lunchtime. And then we did an autopsy, even though he didn't want one because we felt very lost about what had happened. And they basically, his cardiologist, he did it for us specifically because he was very close with my dad. And he said that his heart looked like it was over a hundred years old, but he was 47. Wow. That's crazy. That's, that's wild. And for those listening, the, the crazy thing about this loss too, and how it kind of ties into like our friendship is that me and Courtney, we were like best friends at this point. And she oh, was, like literally inseparable. Yeah. Literally inseparable. This was like when after school we were hanging out constantly going to get Dunkin' Donuts, taking naps on the couches and hang out constantly. The day he died was your high school graduation. Yeah. She was literally supposed to come to my graduation and she calls me and honestly, no, I you called me. You oh, called really? me. Yeah. I called you you called me called and you were like, on where you were. I was like, hi, how are you? And you were like, I thought you were laughing, but she was actually crying hysterically. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And that's when she tells me. And I just immediately like start crying because now I feel helpless because I have to go to this graduation and my best friend just lost her father. And I'm like, how am I supposed to graduate now? Like, how am I supposed to? I know. I, I didn't even want to tell you, like I, a part of me now thinks back and I'm like, I kind of wish I didn't tell her No, because I wanted you to like have that big moment because graduations are like a huge rite of passage. But I think I was so, I had so many feelings that I was just, and I'm so, I was so close to you at that point that I was just like, I need to tell her because I don't know what to do with this. I'm glad you told me because I want to be there for you, but I felt bad that I could not physically be there in the way that I wanted to. And I think that Mm -hmm. goes back to reflect how I feel like I need to physically just like put my all into people that are hurting. I need to like show up the best way I can to make sure that everybody feels okay and feels better. And at that point in my life, I was just like, oh my gosh, this has to be so hard for her. Like I cannot imagine what she's going through. Yeah. It was was pretty terrible because like my mom and I didn't always jive. We really didn't have a great relationship or, or a real relationship in my mind of what a mother and child should have. And my dad and I had a phenomenal relationship. Like I grew up being his favorite in many aspects or in certain ways. And I really enjoyed that. And that's weird. Sorry. I'm seeing something outside my window right now. That's very freaky. It's like moonlight, just like reflecting off of my patio. Like anyway, so it was like 
really traumatic because we were so close and I really enjoyed school and my mom wasn't very involved or encouraging. So like my dad, my whole life, like took me to all of my cheerleading things. Cause I did that for like 11 years and he went to all, everything and he used to be volunteer for cheerleading. He was like the only dad and he used to do all my field trips, my parent teacher nights. He used to take us on all of our, my mom did too, but he used to take us on, like he took us to Disney several times. Like there was a lot of things we, that he just made it a point to do. Took us to Virginia Beach. Yeah, he took us to Virginia Beach when I graduated high school. And then that was a trip. But, um, <laughs> but like he, he wanted to always do those things and like even things that didn't involve spending money. Like we would paint the front porch together and pick from the cherry tree. And he would teach us like, you know, if you want to have nice things, you need to take care of them, like instilling those types of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas my mom at a certain point in her life had lost her mom when I was in like middle school, um, which I actually forgot about that one. When I mentioned it, my mama also died when I was in like sixth grade. And that was really traumatic for my mom. And she really emotionally closed herself off to me when that happened. And it felt like a very deep rejection Mm. because I was preteen. And then I went into teenage years and it was just, there's a loss of a connection there. And I found that in my dad. And then when I lost him, it was just like, felt like my world fell apart. And then my life subsequently after actually got what I consider much better because I was in a really abusive, toxic relationship with an addict. And my dad had told me two days before he died, I went there for dinner and we went out for ice cream and he was talking to me and he was just like, I really respect the man that that person is. And that they're a wonderful provider, but they're not who I want with my daughter in like an emotional sense. I don't think you're getting what you deserve. And this person had cheated on me several, several times. And after he passed, I started doing cheerleading again. I switched colleges because that was when I switched from UMass to Assumption. And then I made new friends at Assumption. And then I got out of that toxic relationship. And then I met my husband like a few months later Mm -hmm. I feel like he always gave you the best guidance honestly like he always had wisdom to give to you he did it was also funny too because once I got because I was in college when he passed and it was funny because he struggled with anger so he was in counseling like our whole lives to prop like to work through his anger because he was as abused in certain ways as a child, but he also had this very difficult medical condition that prohibited him from doing a lot of things in life that I really sure he wanted to do and what was my point to that sharing wisdom with you oh yeah so I actually a lot of the time I became like a source for him of like he would call me because he was really bad at holding grudges against Mm -hmm. people and he would be like what do you think I should do and I'm like I think you should just let it go like I see where you're coming from it's totally valid but for your own sanity don't hold on to it yep And that it's funny because I feel like I kind of had that with my grandpa too. Like I can relate to that, like wisdom sharing. Mm, I loved your grandpa. He was the best. For those listening, another loss too that I had gone through was the loss of my grandpa, which really kind of shook up my world because he was like my dad growing up. Just an amazing person. Yeah, he really was. And which somehow actually... When my dad got married to my stepmom and your grandpa officially made us related. I forgot about that. 
I forget yeah. that yeah because he, he I remember going to your dad's funeral and all of a sudden I see my grandpa and I'm like what are you doing here I was so thrown off and then that's when I found out that related through marriage and I was like what so weird but like so cool yeah so with my grandpa he used to be the one that I would escape to all the time whenever whenever I was fighting with my mom and I would just go to him for like wisdom and guidance and like spill all of my problems to him. So I guess I didn't have a hard time opening up to him. <laughs> I just remember going to his house to hang out and just like talk to him about life and him being like, when is Josh going to ask you to marry him? <laughs> Literally, he asked that all the time. And I'm still kind of sad that he didn't get to see it happen. But I know he did from like wherever he is now. But something that really bothered me or like didn't bother me, but like it really um, made me feel guilty. So this is something I struggled with, with this loss was guilt because my, when my grandpa got really sick, I was also, I had scheduled to go fly out to see my dad and finally reconnecting with your dad yeah, to reconnect and like rebuild our relationship because it had been so long and we were really distant with one another and we had all those issues and I had this trip planned and I remember hearing that my grandpa didn't have much longer to live. And I remember saying to my mom, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go see dad now because, you know, grandpa's going to be dying any, any time. And he's like a huge part of my life. And I really care about him. And I remember I went to go see him, my grandpa, and he was not well. He, I don't even know if he knew I was there. Like I hoped that he knew I was there, but like he was unconscious. His mouth was open. He was just really hot as well, like super warm. Like it felt like he was burning up and we had to wear masks and like a whole outfit because he also struggled with C. diff. So that was something as well. And anyway, my mom told me, you know, your grandpa wouldn't want you to see him like this. He wouldn't want you to like see him die or any, anything like that. Like you should really go, just go to Florida. And I remember getting on the plane and just crying on the plane because I knew that like my grandpa would be gone when I got home. And mm-hmm. I felt so guilty because I felt like I was leaving someone who was supportive of me my entire life to go see someone who did not support me at all throughout most of my life. rejected you for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody who didn't put me first to like leave behind somebody who did put me first to go see someone who didn't. It just felt really like that's something I struggled with. And then, so I fly out to Florida and Mm -hmm. we go to Disney because my dad always used to bring us to Disney. And that was something that kind of like, he would also like hold against me at times. He'd be like, well, not all kids get to go to Disney and you did. Mm -hmm. But little did he know those Disney trips actually caused a lot of trauma too, because he's always mad and then blamed mm. us for it. But you know what? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, we were there and I get a call from my mom while we're at the happiest place on earth and not the happiest place on earth anymore. Place on earth anymore. And she tells me that my grandpa had passed and I remember being <laughs> so sad and so upset and we had fast passes to go on the Splash Mountain ride. And I remember looking at my dad, I was like, I don't grandpa just passed. Like, well, let's just go on this one last ride and then we will leave. And I kind of felt weird about it because I was like, I just don't feel like I'm in the mood for this. But we waited in line and I'm like freaking crying. Everybody's looking at me and I'm like, oh, just hold it together, Lauren. Like you're fine. And it's sunny. We go on this ride and all of a sudden, if you've been to Disney, then you know about the Splash Mountain ride. There's outside parts. There's also inside parts. So we're on the inside part. And as we get up to the top of the hill, like the gates basically open right before the drop. And now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's pouring, (laughs) like the sky is crying. 
and we go down and I'm sitting stuck in this pouring rain on this log ride and I'm like well this is a great representation of how I feel right now because <laughs> everything all at once again like what the heck and then it cleared up and I remember in my head I was like oh, I just I hope that my grandpa's happy and that he's okay and that he forgives me and that he doesn't feel like I like ditched him or left him or didn't want to be by his side and as soon as I was thinking that I saw a rainbow mm-hmm. and I was like okay I think that's the sign that I needed and yeah so that was some guilt that I really had what a beautiful moment yeah it really was and you know my grandpa's always someone who gives me signs because I was in the car a little while back and I remember being like wow I haven't talked to my grandpa in a while I'd love to talk to him and I started talking to him and then as soon as I started talking to him the radio was like all right we have a new song to play and it's I wish grandpa has never died and I was like what what the heck yeah I was like you've got to be kidding me I forget who sings it but it's a country song or whatever Mm -hmm. and I was like okay I see you you hear me like thank you yeah that's so wild that was like when I was growing up my dad and I it's probably why I want a forerunner but we used to like get in the forerunner and put on our sunglasses and we'd feel so cool and we'd put the windows down and be so nice out and he would put in like his Van Halen like greatest hits CD and we would just drive around and jam to Van Halen and to this day I still really enjoy Van Halen and whenever I'm going through like really hard moments in my life I'll go out to eat or something and it will be like a nice restaurant and all of a sudden they just start playing like a random Van Halen song and I'm just like all right dad I see you telling me to just like and that was love the ride I'm on Like on your wedding day when I gave you that gift and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is my dad's song. Oh yeah. Like I had like a wedding playlist and I threw some Van Halen on there because it just, you know, I wanted that moment that day. And when you gave me the dad gift, that song was playing and I was like, that is too statistically like what's, what's the chances? Yeah. I think it's really powerful too though. Like, I don't know if it was... They say like when you see someone you love who's passed and they come to your dreams, it's like them talking to you. The day my dad died, I went home with my stepmom because I felt really bad because I also have younger siblings and I didn't want to just like leave her alone. So we went back to the house, like me and my sister and everyone. And I remember falling asleep on the couch and it was probably the most vivid dream I've ever had in my whole life. I had a dream that that happened. I fell asleep on the living room couch and my dad came into the living room and I woke up from my nap and I was like, oh my God, like I thought you died. Like this was, it was terrible. And this felt completely real. And he sat next to me and he was like, no, nothing happened. Like nothing happened. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm happy. Like, don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. And then I woke up. That's insane. And then I realized all over again that he had died. And it was like, it was like super traumatic all over again. And I was like, oh my God. Like really? Because it felt so real. Yeah. Those, those kinds of dreams always mess with me, honestly. And, but it's kind of like he was giving you this sign that he's okay. That he was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he's okay now that he's feeling good and he's still with you. And that's that's kind of how I, I took it. That's why I just love when they give us signs like that, because it's kind of like a little glimpse of hope. But at the same time, it's like, really, dad, you had to do that in my dream. And then I had to wake up from that. Like, come on. And then like have rehab that realization. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things when someone passes is like, we tend to go through 
a large grief cycle where like initially you have all these flood like a floodgate of every memory and now and a lot of the memories are good memories like when someone first passes you unless it's a difficult relationship it was different with my mom but when my dad died it was like all the good memories flooded in all at once and it was very emotional and it was much sadder but it's because I was coming from this place of and I think we do this with like our first few losses and then the more that we have maybe we can develop depending on like how we're how we learn how we process grief but you almost like idealize them and you don't keep them in full perspective of like all of their good and negative aspects you're also at the same time being really selfish because that person you're so emotionally upset because you're sad that you don't have them anymore but at the same time I try to think now like what would be their quality of life like what would be like what was going on you know and is it is how I feel more important right now or is it how they felt and what would they want but no that's a good perspective honestly and actually if you feel up for it if you want to explain you know losing your mom and how that affected you and how it was different in a sense for you and how it was losing a parent that you weren't as close to, but like how it still affected you deeply. Yeah, it was really impactful because for a long time, I would just say like after my dad died, like my parents died because my I never felt like my mom was really parenting me from like a very young age and I love her but she was like physically and emotionally very very abusive and never took ownership of that and never really told other people what had happened from my sister and I's perspective and she just painted the picture that she had in her mind of herself to everyone else so that was really hard and for a long time growing up like I said like she rejected me but she spent a lot of time with my sister and I was just kind of left to do my own thing. I think it was because my mom didn't understand how to connect with me. And as I got older, I didn't want to hold it as a grudge, but I also wasn't going to force a relationship with someone who didn't want to have one with me because it was really emotionally exhausting for me. Like I wanted to have this close, meaningful relationship with my mom and she, she could just care less. And it was her actions that spoke that to me and we had several conversations where like I would explain this to her and I would feel better and then nothing would change and so it just felt futile I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall so eventually I just like kind of gave up and I was like I'm just gonna live my life and whatever happens like happens and then she smoked her whole life so then she I went there to visit and she was like walking weird and I told my sister I'm like take her to the doctor something is wrong And it turned out that she had stage four lung cancer and it had metastasized like to her brain and her bones. And it turned out that she was only supposed to live like three months and she lived like two and a half, almost three years. That woman is stubborn. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, which is great because I got that from her. But um, yeah, so two, I would say like two months before she died, we stopped talking for a little while because she just didn't respect boundaries she didn't understand her dysfunctional manipulation that she pushed on me and how I felt unheard and unseen and invalidated because everything was always she was the victim everything was about her and how you hurt her and I had a lot going on 
graduating nursing school. My mom was sick. I was planning a wedding and I was really trying really hard to like keep her involved in it as much as possible. And it just became too much. And so I decided to just like take a break. And then my sister called me. I was in Vegas and said that like my mom was in the ICU and she felt like it was like different and that they had recommended my mom go home on hospice. And then that's when I came back to Austin and I talked to you and you had like this crazy epiphany where like you were crying and I wasn't. And you were like, you, I feel you need to come. Cause I was like debating when I would come. Cause I was also supposed to work or something like that. And you were, you were like, you need to come sooner rather than later. Cause if you come later, it's going to be too late. And it was crazy. Cause you were literally right. Yeah. When I say tarot can be scary sometimes, like that's, that's what I mean. I don't <laughs> normally do readings like that, but you were in that moment where you were like, I need to just know, like, do I come? Do I not like what's going on? And I was like, all right, this is not looking great. I'm so sorry. And then it's been hard since she passed because this grief is different. It's not like reliving happy memories. It's feeling guilty about having a huge weight lifted off of me because I don't have the huge manipulation and dysfunction or the forced relationship with someone I felt like never loved me. Like I have told my sister and I've told you this, I wish my mom would have just told me she didn't want me Mm. because that's how I felt. Even when we had like our conversation when she passed, like right before she passed, it just felt very forced. Like she was telling me what she thought I wanted to hear and what other people in the room at the time expected her to say but it felt still felt very disingenuine it didn't feel like she was coming from a place of like she truly cared and I don't know if I could pinpoint like what I really needed for it to feel authentic I think for a long time growing up she like I said like she rejected me and she didn't she wasn't there for me so I just lost that connection that you have with the mother like I remember her showing up like several hours late to pick me up for one of my cheerleading practices and everyone else had gone home I was literally sitting in the car with my coach and her fam like her kids and feeling extremely awkward and embarrassed and out of like body experience because I was young I was maybe 10 and just being like I can't believe I've been forgotten here like she was so busy doing something else she forgot me and then it turned out when she showed up she was out Christmas shopping and was buying my sister stuff like she and I couldn't even fit in the back seat because she bought my sister a stereo that was so big it took up the whole back seat of the car and I was like where am I even supposed to sit like you didn't you didn't think to pick me up on time you didn't think of where I was gonna sit and so there's been a lot of feelings of like anger because I never felt seen I felt like I did everything a good kid should do the way you're supposed to do it. I never did drugs. I never got pregnant. I went to college. Like I worked a lot. I paid for all my own things. I didn't cause any problems. I've never been arrested. And then it was never good enough for her to want to be involved in my life. And I'm sure that probably too kind of felt like she was like pitting you and your sister against each other. And do you ever feel like there was this underlining like energy on her part of feeling like envious of you I I think so because I think to be totally fair if I have to analyze my mom I think that she got married young and had children young because like that was what she knew but I don't necessarily think that that's what she wanted from her life which I think is why I was so I would have respected her more for saying that she didn't want me and she wanted a different life especially once I was an adult like I would rather have that transparency so that we could work through it together because I am here and I do exist, but 
we never, we never had that moment. I don't think she could ever bring herself to admit it. Yeah. Or two, was it like, did she just think that, you know, you were so well off and you were so responsible that she didn't have to like worry about you. But what she doesn't realize is that that was actually pushing you away and making you feel like crap, feel unwanted. That's yeah. That's what she said was like, she was, she used to say like, she was raised to help the kids who struggle to figure out life, which I really don't think my sister did. I think my sister's doing a phenomenal job, but my sister had children kind of young and hadn't really figured out her passions in life or or where she wanted, like which direction she wanted to go in. So my mom, I think felt very obligated to be very close to her and they were already very close because when I was shunned her and my sister were glued to each other Mm. but it was weird because of my mom having so much manipulation and dysfunction like me and my sister were we would like butt heads fighting like regular siblings but at the same time like if my mom was trying to manipulate the two of us like we would come together and like whisper in the other room be like okay this is our story this is what we're gonna tell her we have to be on the same page but like the fact that we even had to do that we had to like come up with a story make sure they correlated and then tell her the same and it wasn't like a story to like do something bad we weren't supposed to do it was like so she wouldn't flip out about like us using all the computer paper Mm, like something really random and actually to touch back on that whole like thought process of well physically it looks like this person isn't struggling like someone else so why should I bother it's kind of like that whole mental health issue where even the people who look like they have their shit together even the people who appear like they're good still have underlying anxiety depression mental health issues check on those friends who appear to be so strong and have that tough exterior who appear to be successful who appear to have their shit together because Mm. even the most successful people are struggling mentally like it doesn't just because you don't look that way you don't look the part of a struggling human being does not mean you're not struggling you know? Yeah, that that's me recently. Like I've been struggling a lot recently and I got really vulnerable with like you and um, even like Facebook about it because I feel like it's important to talk about. No one talks about like how they look great, but really they're having a terrible time exactly. personally. And yeah, I've been like doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I feel dead on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> jo- like- Completely joyless. Yeah. And like you said, it's those seasons, but at the end of the day, it still have compassion for people who don't necessarily look like they are struggling because everybody hasn't something underlining that is bothering them. You know, we all have our own issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that I feel like really was shown through your relationship with your mom and how she showed up for your sister and not you. Yeah. It felt very like being betrayed betray it's like you're supposed to be my mom you betrayed me for this other sibling I will say I do want to speak to you before because I know we're kind of been talking for a while I'm sure we're going to wrap up soon but I did want to mention like I felt very comforted because when my mom actually physically passed away like I the memory I have is like you sitting next to me like rubbing my back and it's like such a powerful moment for our friendship but I think for you and and me in different ways but like to have you there was really strengthening because it was like my parents had actually physically died whether I felt close to my mom or not it was still hard and you're the type of friend that like I can just call 
and it doesn't matter what's happening. Like if I call you and I'm like, I need you, you're like, cool, grabbing the keys and I'm out the door. I'll be there in 20 minutes because I have to get coffee (laughs) for both of us, but I'll be there. But yeah, it was like a beautiful moment because it was something that was really terrible and, and horrific, but I felt so loved still. It was very powerful. I love you. No, I'm, you're, you know this, we know this, we are like ride or dies to the end, soul sisters, sisters without the blood, it's all good because. Yeah, now you're like sisters with my sister, which is even better now. <laughs> I know because she, I don't think she liked me very much growing up, but that's okay because we talked about it. <laughs> but no, honestly, I am always going to be there for you and I know you're always going to be there for me and that's why our friendship means the absolute world to me. And I am so glad because I remember that night, like it was just yesterday because I wasn't even originally supposed to be there. You had called me at like, I think it was like 10 PM being like, can you go over and read my sister's cards for her? And I was like, okay, let me do that. I was like, I was debating on going or not. And I was like, no, I'm going to go. And that's when everything just started going. It was like, I was meant to be there to be there for you. You know, it was like meant to happen that way because there's nothing more powerful than having someone be there for you when you're going through a hard hard time and when it's your best friend your soul sister I know you would do the same for me it was actually really nice too and not nice in like the sense of like nice but like nice in the sense of like very comforting because like our neighbors we grew up with who was my mom's best friend I'm very close with her children and now her grandchildren her grandchildren my mom actually called her grandkids and they were all there when everything happened. And it was very like comforting to also have them there and you there. And it felt like we had like that whole childhood neighborhood together, like coming around as an, as an adult cycle to support each other. When I tell you, I had the biggest 180 moment, like self-reflection times 20 during that day, that, that night, It was honestly wild because I was like, I don't know why I was even talking to your sister about this today, but that neighborhood is attached to my soul. I think I literally feel so attached to it because so much has happened in that neighborhood. So much trauma, so much pain, but so many good fucking memories, like so many good Mm -hmm. times. And when I had gone through that with, you know, we'll call her um, Sally, when I had gone through (laughs) with Sally's parents, and then I don't even know how many years later now has it been. If it was 2005, and now it was like 2022. It's been almost 20 years. Almost 20 years later. I'm in that same neighborhood with my best friend supporting her as her mom has passed away in this pivotal, life-changing, heartbreaking moment surrounded by everybody who grew up on that street, basically. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what a moment. That is wild to me. It brought into perspective life. Do you think that it like re-triggered some of your panic attacks or do you think that it was actually closure because you actually got to be there for that part? Like which... Or do you think it's a combination? Yeah, honestly, that's a good question. I think that it was kind of a combination because I struggle a lot with death. Even I have gotten a lot better with it, but 
I even talked about this to my therapist. Like when I go to a funeral, it doesn't matter who it is. I get triggered. I can feel everyone's emotions. I cry no matter what, which I think a lot of people do, but it just, it's hard for me to deal with death sometimes. And that was the first time I actually saw someone physically pass away. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the body being there right after they pass, like come to take the body away. That was a lot that I had never experienced before. So I think that was a big moment for me. And just seeing everybody so upset and me going into that mode, like, I want everybody to, like, what can I do to make people feel good? And then it just did remind me of the past, but I have done so much work since that day that I, I feel like I was in a better place emotionally. And I've also looked at death differently, which is what I kind of wanted to end this episode on how, how to deal with the fear of death or what your views on death are now and what you think about it or like what brings you peace about it. For me personally, ever since I've gone through my spiritual journey, a lot of my beliefs with death have changed. Back when I was a kid, it was harder for me because I believed in heaven and hell. So I believed that because I had grown up in a religious family and they really pushed this narrative of, you know, like pray before bed, make sure you're a good person. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't do this and that. Like live by these really rigid rules. Otherwise you're going to go to hell type of mentality where I literally would pray every night for my family's protection. And I felt like if I missed prayers at night, my family would die. That was my fear. Was it a Catholic church? Yes. Yes, it was. Just curious because I felt pretty much the same yeah, way you going feel to the Catholic same way, church. Right? Yeah. It's like you're going to go to hell. Yeah. You're going really you're gonna to go to hell. That was like the narration we got. You have to repent, repent for your sins. You have to go to church. If you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. Like all of these things. So back then, that's why my fear of death, I think, was because I was afraid. Am I going to go to hell? Am I going to burn alive? Am I going to like do like X, Y, and Z? Like what happens? The fear of the unknown of what happens when you die, I think is a big one. Everybody's like, well, Mm. what happens when you die? And of course, just knowing that the people you love are no longer physically with you. That's a lot. So then I think the other thing that I've learned through my spirituality is now I believe in past lives. I believe in coming back as, you know, a different human being, but with the same soul. Like reincarnation. Yeah, exactly. Which is, goes against a lot of my family's beliefs, but that's what I personally believe in. And it kind of brought me this sense of peace, knowing that I don't have to be afraid of the unknown. I don't have to be afraid that, you know, I'm not going to make it to heaven. I don't have to be afraid of any of that. Like, yeah, I could be a little bit afraid of how I'm going to die. And is it going to hurt? How long is the pain going to last? But at the end of the day, I, from my spiritual beliefs, I heard that birth being born into this world is a lot more traumatic on the soul than dying. Hmm. That's actually really interesting. I feel like I believe in like the, uh, the concept that this is going to start a lot of fires, <laughs> but like that the religion, certain, like the stories were told from religion may have some validity to them but like ultimately none of us truly know like none of us truly can tell you this is exactly what's going to happen when you die this is where you're going to go like none of us know and so I think part of the idea of being so attached to religion is that it gives you a sense of security and Mm. you can relinquish your fear on not knowing Uh and for me I just I don't know if I can subscribe to that, but I just try to remain grounded in the present. And then there's lots of things that happen that whenever I'm struggling, I like go out for a walk or I'm like looking outside 
at my patio and I see like red cardinals. I see red cardinals all the time. I even see red cardinals pictures, like different places. Uh, we went to Salem. I saw like a hand glass blown cardinal, like randomly found it. And so signs like that remind me that maybe there's more like spirituality going on than we even understand in the universe because they say a red cardinal coming to you is the sign of a loved one who has passed telling you hello and they always happen at very pivotal moments when I'm like going through something and I'm just like what is the chance what's Mm -hmm. the chance of that along with like the Van Halen song and everything but I think ultimately like if you're religious and not spiritual or spiritual and not religious or both Find whatever works for you and brings you that comfort and joy and the people around you. I think the best thing that you can do, I think I said this in like my wedding vows, is understand that this life on this planet is finite and we only have so much time. Mm -hmm. So don't waste energy on workplace drama, people you can't change, toxic relationships, making sure everyone likes you, looking for approval. We're going to die. So live your authentic life and just make sure that the people around you that you love and care about know that you love and care about them. Exactly. And that is amazing advice and wonderful words to live by. And I could not agree more. Honestly, I really could not. And I think the biggest thing, like you were saying, is that why people struggle with death so much is because there's that fear of the unknown. And when we don't know what's going to happen, It brings us fear because our egos want to know what's going to happen. And I just think that's part of the human experience. The part of the human experience is to, you know, experience fear and work through it and find faith in whatever you believe in and, you know, experience emotions, learn lessons, grow, and the rest is who knows what, but yeah, we all (laughs) die eventually. And that's just the way life is. And I think- we You're not allowed to die for at least a thousand years. Yeah, no promises. <laughs> You're not allowed to die first. How about that? I'll agree to that. <laughs> but yeah, so that I think that's a great way to end this. Same these. This was this was great. I think it was a great emotional release too. So everybody, as always, be sure to check us out on social. Follow us. If you enjoy this podcast, you know, we would love to hear from you. Leave a review, leave email, thoughts that manifest at gmail.com. And we are sending you guys so much love. Until next time.